They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Start the music. Craig's Pop Life Podcast. You know me as Craig's Pop Life on the Twitter. That's my IG. So now you know me on the podcast. And, you know, basics is basics. I'm a black gay man. Um, been that. Um, I'm the author of Luther, The Life and Longing of Luther Vandross. I'm the author of All I Could Bear, My Life in the Gay Club. Child, what's the name of the book? Uh, all of my... Uh, it's hard hearing yourself while you're doing this. I think I'm going to try to turn off the um, microphone. I don't need to hear me. You know that Janet and she's like, I need to hear me. Well, I don't. But is this going to hold on, y'all? Now, see, what I will give y'all is I will always be live. And so, if something fuck up, <laughs> then that's just the way it is going to be. What happened? Oh, child, now we're hearing the big old... Mm, no, that's not going to work. Hold off, y'all. Okay, can y'all hear me? Am I recording? Am I recording? Or like um, T.S. Madison says, is it, is it live? Tony, what was I talking about? Okay, so I'm an author. I wrote Luther, the Life and Longing of Luther Vandross, um, which is a biography, obviously. Get it at your local whatever. There ain't no bookstores no more, so I don't know where you're going to get it. Get it off your local Amazon. Steal it from somebody on the street. Not steal it, but, you know, somebody has their goods out on the sidewalk or what have you to it. You know, it's cold outside. People need their coins. Um, my other book is a memoir about how I was a stripper through graduate school. You know, long before Cardi B was a stripper hoe, I was a stripper hoe. Stripping through... Um, you know, pay for grad school, and I'm still in hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. So I don't know how that shit worked. But anyway, you can read that story. All I could bear my life in the. God, why can't I get my title right? Okay, hold on, y'all. Let me take a deep breath. Okay, all I could bear my life in the strip clubs of gay Washington D.C. Like that. Okay. So you can check that out. And then you can check out my most recent novel. Well, it's my only novel, but it's also my most recent book. And it's called Who's Your Daddy? And when people ask a lot about that book, um, it's inspired by some time I spent living in Providence. And the way I kind of think of all my books together, I mean, um, it's interesting. Like, I feel like they're all related to gay love in some extent. I mean, I feel like Luther in large ways was me kind of paying homage to a generation that maybe couldn't be open about their sexuality. And, you know, I had plenty of friends. I knew people of that generation because of the time that I came out. So I felt like I was trying to do justice to that generation. Um, and all I could bear, that's just about me being 20s and wild and crazy and want to show my ass all over town, get a dollar, get a dollar, you know, kind of you know, put my foot into the relationship waters, but at the same time, knowing that there was a lot out there that I needed to 
explore and kind of that feeling that a lot of gay men have of like, you know, ain't nobody asked you to the junior ball. Ain't nobody probably asked you to the senior ball. You know, we wasn't Instagramming same sex shit on, you know, going to prom and all that stuff. That was not the 80s, you know, trust and believe. So I think for a lot of my generation, we felt that we had that feeling of, oh, I need to get out there. I need to party. I need to get my John Hughes film on. You know what I mean? So a lot of that is kind of um, in all I could bear. And now the thing I think about the novel, Who's Your Daddy, is that that kind of deals with this weird thing in the generation I'm in, where it's kind of like we came up, you know, a lot of people right above us were battling with AIDS and everything like that. They weren't really thinking about much more than that. They were thinking about survival. They were thinking about the survival of their friends. They were activism. They brought us a lot of stuff that we take for granted today. And we owe that generation so much, but like, I don't really feel like, anybody i mean i was you know they were my peers and we had conversations nobody was really talking about love it wasn't like a cinderella type situation nobody was talking about oh when you'll grow up and do this people were trying to stay alive the next day the next week the next whatever so you know just that kind of stuff just wasn't there and then it really took the generation after mine to go forth with all the marriage equality stuff and everything which i understood was important you know, from a civil civics, and I think a civics is the right word, but whatever. I know this shit's important, okay? But it's nothing that I ever felt kind of an emotional connected with connection with just because, you know, I'd spent most of my life being closeted. So the idea of marriage and long-term relationships, that wasn't my bag anyway. And then when I came out, way into just the... um you know, the AIDS activism and the ACT UP and everything. Ain't nobody was thinking about holding hands and dancing through the tulips and shit like that. That's just, It just wasn't the mood, you know? And so then I find myself kind of in middle age and like, well, what does love mean for me? I mean, I, I de- definitely don't want to be on nobody's cake covered in frosting. That's just not my move right now. But like, do I even want love? Do I want, what do I want? And so, um, what Who's Your Daddy deals with, it's it's like um, three middle-aged gay men at different stages of middle age, like one person's in the 30s, one person's in 40s, one person's in the 50s, and just trying to deal with that question of like, hey, we're one of the first you know generation of gay men in a while that didn't have to deal with the um, pathology of the closet and the sort of and the oppression of that, and also didn't have to deal with the you know sort of day-to-day trauma that brought um at the heart of the AIDS epidemic. So it's kind of like a lot of us just have our hands on the air. Like, but what, what do we want to do? I never really thought that I was going to have a lifetime partner. Do I want a lifetime partner? I don't even know what kind of ring looks good on my finger. You know what I mean? So all those issues. Anyway, that's what's in. I'm going on too long. But that's basically what um, is in Who's Your Daddy? And then the new book that I'm working on is um, a book that was really inspired very recently. So I'm writing this quicker than I've ever really written anything as far as book-wise, but when Janet Jackson was um, finally inaugurated into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, just the discourses around that, and like whether she was rock and stuff, and just this sort of narrative about her career that I didn't necessarily think was inclusive enough about all that she's done, and even um, more importantly, that inclusive enough of how she fits into the African... Damn y'all! No, I just almost um, 
knocked over my good um, gold peak diet tea. Do y'all like gold peak diet? That's my favorite kind of diet tea. It is hard to find, so I'm not trying to knock it over. So excuse me in the middle of my point. But no, but like just put her in the, but just put her in a larger context because I think that looking at her story is bigger than just you. You you start to see things that are bigger than entertainment. You start to put in the context of just African American history in general, the context of American history, the context of American popular culture. Now it's not going to be a heavy book. It's going to be a short book. It's going to be a short book of essays and everything like that. But I think what I always try to do, and this is definitely what I tried to do with Luther, is like. If I'm dealing with a subject, I want to take it back to the point at which their success did not was not did not at all seem inevitable. You know what I mean? So for Luther, I had to go back to the days when he's just this overweight guy running around New York, you know, people paying him for studio sessions with macadamia nuts, and ain't nobody thinking that this guy slumped over in his chair singing this beautiful music is going to be a star. And so I had to take it back to that to really understand that story. And the same thing with Janet. Like, I just, you know, ever since Control, this just was narrative. You know, she did Control, then she started being in social activism, then she was introspective and this, this, and this. And what I'm trying to do for myself before I start writing, of course, it may all come back to that. But before I start writing, I just need to kind of blow that up and just to rethink it all for myself. So, you know, I'm going way back. I'm reading Catherine's um, biography. I'm like, I'm watching the old Jackson 5, you know, the television specials. Shout out to eBay. I'm watching the old Good Times. I'm, I'm just really trying to immerse myself into that moment of really reconceiving where you know, where she came from and kind of even, you know, she's a couple of years older than I, so we're always around the same age. So like, I know even in the way I watched her come up, you know, I was very much relating to her as like a slightly older sister or cousin or something like that. And so I'm even trying to like see that from a different frame. So anyway, that's all. And I was going to talk about that all later, but now I just ran off the mouth in advance, but that's what I'm working with. And um, that book, Special, A Critical Meditation on the Life and Artistry of Janet Jackson, will be out. Like I said, it'll be a self-published book, and I'm doing myself. But trust and believe, you will have it in your hands by the time she goes to the stairs, by the time the ceremony starts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm not talking about the HBO airing. I'm talking about the actual one. But I'm not committing to a date in March. Basically what it is when you publish something on the Amazon, you basically just have to deliver it about a week before it actually comes out. So I'm going to tell you all the date, and I have it all together. And the other fun things about, the, um, about what's going to be in the book is that there's going to be the full written transcripts of both my 2001 Vibe interview with her and my 2006 Vibe interview. And I know know a lot of you all have listened to that and downloaded it, you know, over the years. And of course, you know, I lived the damn thing. But reading through the transcripts and kind of just having to correct, because you know how I talk. Can't nobody translate exactly how I talk. So, you know, just reading through and just kind of correcting things. I'm finding that there is this whole sort of other life to the interview just as the transcripts like 
I'm noticing certain things that maybe the way she answers stuff or the certain certain exchanges that didn't necessarily pop out to me when listening to the interviews, but that really um, has some resonance. So I think you all are going to really enjoy it. You know, it's for y'all. It's for, and by y'all, I mean me. I mean, it's for, it's what she deserves. I mean, please, like how many books have been written on Madonna? How many books have been written on whatever? I mean, I'm, I, I just, you know, feel like, I want to make a critical statement about Janet, and this is the right time to do it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm glad that you guys are with me. So back to, like, what—I'm on my first card. I haven't mentioned anything. That's how I'm organizing these things. Um, Yeah, well, whatever. So support my books, (laughs) basically, because at this point, the podcast ain't sponsored by shit. It's sponsored by my books, my books in all formats. You can get your paperbacks, you can get your audibles, you can get all that shit. So please um, support my work if you want to continue hearing me. And I know a lot of people are like, Craig got a new podcast. Craig got a new podcast every goddamn month. This bitch had something out last year. Talk about his 90s R&B podcast. And yes, that is true. And yes, you are accurate. If you remember that and shout out for you, remember that because I appreciate people paying attention to anything I do. Okay, well, let me tell you that story. Okay, this is the way it happened was. Okay. So I wanted to start like a 90s R&B podcast, but like, you know, be playing the music and, you know, digging in my digital crates for all the little remixes I have that a lot of people don't have and just all sorts of stuff like that. So I do it. I get me a logo. You know, I find me a platform. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm mixing. I'm DJ, you know, one song into the next and, and having my little vocals into the thing. Like I'm a DJ from back in the day, like the type of people I grew up on, the Donnie Simpsons, the Melvin's Lindsay's. You know the names. Um, Come to find out that because I was using copyrighted material through the songs, Apple was like, (laughs) bitch, you can't put this shit on our site. You know what I'm saying? And like, but the thing was, what's the point of having a podcast if you can't have it on Apple, which is the platform that most people listen to podcasts? So I I put was able to put it up on YouTube. Now YouTube, everybody, every song in there, YouTube makes sure it's each person collects their coins. So I don't make a dime off of it. But it's like, what's the point of having a podcast if it's just going to be on YouTube? So I had to rethink that and just kind of really hold on for one second. Had to have a sip of my Gold Peak Dive Iced Tea. Now that would be the bomb if Gold Peak would um would um sponsor a show because Lord knows I drink this Gold Peak Dive Tea and it's hard to find. It is hard to find. It's almost like a beacon because the Gold Peak Diet has a silver type, and I swear I can walk me in a seven in a CVS and like I can see across the rooms like that that gold. I mean that silver top is called to me, and I'll be like. Like bionic man running through it to grab it, because like I said, you don't get them everywhere. Um. So what else was I gonna say? I was gonna just talk about my some of my credentials. Y'all don't need to know all that, and y'all know I done interviewed all the girls. So like, um, yeah. So I, I put them all together in a zip, like my interviews with Janet and Mariah. Um, I think maybe Mary's in that. I put it together in a zip for you all to download it. But if You've already downloaded some and want some more or whatever. Just email me and I'll give it to you in the format that you um, would like it in. So um, so anyway, we're back to what is this podcast about? 
this, this podcast is just Craig R-A-W. It's just me talking. Because, you know, I miss talking. Like, I realize, like, I'm the type of guy that growing up, like, I was that person Hot junior high, you know, I have a whole list of friends to call, and I'd be laying there, you know, half watching the TV, the cord would be all stretched out because it couldn't fit into the TV room, and I just like talking, you know, and, but it's just not the same when you talk on the cell phone, it's just something's different, so I just, I just miss talking, I just miss talking shit, basically, I just miss observing shit of the day, and then being able to talk shit about it, and no, I'm not texting, and I'm not emojifying you know, sometimes you just want to talk. Sometimes you just want to get something off your chest. So that's basically what this is. I'm just going to, um, you know, each week what I'm going to try to do is record this so that you all have it on Friday, Friday afternoon, because anybody that's been following me from any period of time knows that my favorite thing is recommending people stuff. I don't know why, but, and I don't make no money off of it because something got crazy with my Amazon affiliates. So at to this point, now I'll tell y'all if I get a coin and it, t- please, if I start getting this gold peak dietee deal, I will tell you that is a sponsor by gold peak uh, dietee. And I will take a big ass sip and you will hear all the refreshment in my voice. But as for now, I ain't getting shit. So everything that I'm telling y'all to get into is what I would truly, you know, advise you to just as a friend. So my basically format is like, I'm just going to look through things a week organically that I like, things I want to put you on to and everything. And then if there's a particular issue or pressing situation in the week, then um, I'll talk about it. Or if there's something you want me to talk about, questions, answers, what have you, just, um, you know, I feel silly to even tell people, like, I'm everywhere. I mean, you could find me on the street, <laughs> you know, and just ball up a question and, you know, throw it at me. But anyway, I'm on the Instagrams, I'm on the um, Twitters, the Facebook. But please don't send me nothing on Facebook. But, um, and all that. And the only thing I'm not on Snapchat. For a while, I think I was on it just to follow some hot guys. But it wasn't even interesting enough to me on that level. So, um Let's see what's first up. First up, let's talk about music. Because this is the time that a lot of times music can be kind of dry. Because it's like the beginning of the year and stuff. People don't really um, do the hotness. But um, this is another. This is a feature of the show. So I'll just mention it. I started a Spotify playlist. And the only reason I did it on Spotify is because I know a lot of people use Spotify. But just for the record, I'm a title person because I support black businesses and anything associated with Jay. B and Rihanna. But anyways, but I have it on Spotify for y'all. And it's just called Craig's Pop Life. And that's just going to, when I talk about music, you know, I'm just going to put songs in there just ongoing. And, um, you know, if I talk about an album or something, I'll just put a couple of my favorite tracks. So you can just follow all the music that I'm talking about on Craig's Pop Life. And, you know, I'll give you a variety. You get the pop girls, you get the R&B girls, you get the hip hop girls, you know. Just like the type of music that I listen to. But first up for me right now is this Summer Walker album. What's it called? Dag, I don't even know what. See, that's why I need a producer. What's this album called? Hold on, y'all. Okay, about, about Summer Walker. But how many of y'all were into Summer Walker last year? Because Summer Walker dropped Last Days of Summer. And I loved it. I really, really loved it. But some people had stuff to say about it. Like I was playing playing around my mother. Um, she won't like that I'm mentioning her in the story, but I was playing around my mother. 
who does who likes you know she likes contemporary music and she likes SZA and stuff and we would listen to SZA and all that. Anyway, so I was playing the Summer Walker album, and I was like, oh, I really like her. You know, some people say that she sounds a little bit like SZA. Here's my mother. I thought it was SZA, so I was just like, whatever. So that was that dismissive comment. But I feel and and you know I can hear it. Definitely. But I feel with her new EP called Clear, I feel like she really is starting to um, just find her own lane a little bit. It really um, is giving me a lot of flashbacks of like the first Tweet album. You know, not all the dance stuff and stuff like that, but when Tweet would get her with her little guitar and crank out a groove, you know, or do like a sad song, when she'd give you like a Always Will or a Smoking Cigarettes, like this new Summer Walker is really giving me that vibe. So I would definitely check that out. I'm loving it. Um, other thing is Don's come back. Now see, Don from Danny DeCane, you know, it's one of them things, I knew she was making good music and I knew she was making music that I would respect but I just ain't listen to it. You know, it's like sometimes you just listen to a lot of music, too much stuff's on your plate. It seems like every time she dropped, I was doing something. I just never really got into it that deep. Um, a couple of years ago, she did a duet with um, one of my favorite groups, Dirty Projectors. And I love that song. I think it was um, Cross Your Heart to Respect Your Heart. So what's that song's name? Um, it was... I know y'all like, why can't he just put something in later? Why is he doing this? Because it's live, and this is what happens in the context of, like, cool your heart. Cool your heart. Yeah, that was a very good song. I'll put that in the um, in the playlist, too. But this one, she just jumped out. Like, this is really good. It's like a concept album. It's all about her um, New Orleans roots and everything and Black Indians and all of that. And, you know, I... I was one of those people that, um, one of those few people that was like a super fan of HBO's Treme. So it kind of brings me back to those days and everything like that. And she has this one song. I'll throw this in the um, playlist, but my favorite song is a song called Jealousy. And she's about like, it starts out and she's like, you know, I know I shouldn't have made this Instagram post to your ex-girl, but I want the petty to win tonight. So I, I <laughs> You know you had me at that. I was like, that goes right on the brown liquor playlist. Because <laughs> let's be real, sometimes you do want the petty to win. <laughs> you, know? you may regret it in the morning, but sometimes the petty feels good. So, you know, respect the petty. Um, the other thing, and this is a title thing too, title has the dope ass tid playlist. Like total offers you playlists. Not because, God damn, this is dope. They're called my mixes, and like you get about five or six a day. And I mean, they are they title does you right, title does you right, title does you right sonically. That hi fi sound blows your mind, and um, they really do go in as far as the um mixes and stuff. And then the one thing they do, which would irritate me any other place, like I hate when YouTube does it, hate when anybody else does it, I hate autoplay because you know how sometimes you sit down and you were in the mood, like, like. I'm one of those people, like, I need a song sometimes to get me to an exact mood, and I just need that song. I need it to start and stop, and I can do what I need to do, but I can't do what I need to do unless I feel that song from beginning to end, and that's it. Can't confuse it. So, I, nothing I hate if I'm, like, listening to a song on YouTube, and let's say it's, a, like, a, a mellow groove or something like that, and then... 
before I can even get my finger up good to pause it, they play some hype song or something that totally, you know, ruins the mood with nothing what I wanted to hear, you know? So I usually hate, so I have all my autoplays turned off and everything. Now, title is the exception to the rule. Title, I didn't even know I had my autoplay on, but nine times out of ten, title, I'll be walking, I play a specific song. And then another song come on after that, I'll be like, damn, what is that? You know, I'd be walking the dog. I'd uh-uh, you can't poop now, sis. I need to figure out. You know, I'd be pulling out my phone, be like, what is this? And adding it to the playlist and stuff like that. So this is one of the artists I found that way. And I don't even know how to spell the child's name. It's um, it's I-Y-L-A. I think it's like Ilya. No. Wyla? I don't know what the name is. I don't know. It's white chick, long hair. And on the cover, she got a whole bouquet of flowers um, sticking out of her mouth. But all I need to know is that her song, Juice, is nice. It's just a, one of those real electro, mellow grooves. It just seems like we're getting a lot of them this time. Like, I love this renaissance of this kind of, like, it's the R&B groove. But, you know, you give me a little futuristic effects and everything. I'm just loving this era that we're in right now. So check out... um whatever the child's name is, but Song's Juice. Just if you if you look up Juice and you see uh, a white a young white girl with long ass hair and flowers stick out sticking out her mouth, you know that's the right one. <laughs> that's the only directions I could give you. So um there's that and I added some in the place I added some other um stuff from that I've been liking at the end of the year. But you know you have that kind of crossover period. And I know some of y'all are gonna be giving me side eyes. Let's just go ahead, cause um I got that Miley Cyrus song, "Nothing Breaks But a Heart." On it, I love that record. It's produced, uh, co-produced by Jamie XX, who I love, cause I love the XX and I love his stuff. Um, and I mean, I, th- I really think I like Miley. Like I know she bullshit. She's um she's problem maybe problematic for her relationship with pop culture, but I do kind of see that. You know, she's done been a child star, and she was, you know, doing the most with all that um, We Can't Stop and all that whole, what was the name of that album? Um, Glitter, Glamour. What was the name of that thing? I have to just look it up, otherwise it's going to drive me crazy. Gangsta. And I had the stickers and all nine. I can't believe I remember the name of that album. With record ball. Bangers, bangers, bangers. I knew it was something. So, um. With that whole, you know what was a dope joint on Bangers, though? Um, let me see. Maybe Do My Thing. I'm going to have to get back to you because I can't play the music. But there was one song I really, or Get It Right. I think it was Get I'm gonna look. I'm going to pause this for a second. Can I, I can't pause this recording. Oh, well, I think, I think it was Get It Right. Anyway, one of them songs I really love. But the point is... You know, and then she came back out, you know, talking about I don't do hip hop. And, you know, of course, my nose was in the air, like whatever. But then I loved that Malibu song. I mean, I was running around singing that like I was Belinda Carlisle having just released Mad About You. Like, I just loved that. Made me feel all sunny. Made me want to, you know, shake the hair I didn't have through the breeze. So I liked it. And but I didn't really listen to anything off the album. And then now I like this um, Nothing Breaks But The Heart. So sue me. Um, and then the, just Sean Mendez, I love Sean Mendez. Just get into it. Uh, the Zane album was really good. The Zane album was like a really nice, mellow R and B joint. So there's a couple of joints on that. And then 
I know y'all gonna think, whatever, he just likes these little, you know, stupid social media white boys, but I like the Cameron Dallas single, I really do, um, why haven't I met you, you know, he's giving me Justin Bieber, journalist vibe, journals kind of vibe and stuff like that, I like it, I, I'm, you know, 50 year old black man, black gay man, I can like what I like. So moving on to the reading, what I'm reading now, I can't really recommend this or not. It's just one of those books that like, like I literally just cracked it, but it's one of those books that seems to be an important book. It's by um, Hanif Adarakib, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And it's Go Ahead and Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. So it's kind of like a personal love letter to a tribe called Quest, kind of using memoir, bringing in the music, you know, all the kind of stuff that I like. So I'm really, um, and kind of dealing with the same approaches that I'm wanting to bring to Janet. So I'm really interested in seeing how he does that. And um, come read it with me and let me know how you like it. Because like I said, I just cracked it. Well, I ain't cracked shit because I have it on the... Um, have it on the, I wish I would crack my Kindle, but you know, I just got into it. I'm probably like less than 20%. So if you're interested in reading it, I would love to, um, you know, know that some other people are reading it along with me and we can compare notes and everything. Okay. So what am I watching? The watching, y'all been watching, keeping up with Grownish? Because I feel like Grownish got real ass good this season. Like, you know, Grownish, I had been stopped watching, watching Blackish, but like, I watch Grownish and I enjoy Grownish, but now Grownish is like, I mean, it's like my little mini insecure. Like, I really get my, you know, I'm really getting my life from Grownish. They really deal with a lot of issues. The writing is sharp and everything, the acting and everything. So, if you hadn't really been giving Grownish much attention or just whatever, I'd definitely go back to Grownish because Grownish is, it's in its creative, it's, at a creative peak that I hope is lasts, you know, because it's a really, really good, funny, adult, like adult, it's about kids, but it's just, it just doesn't dumb anything down. And it, it is very much an honest show. And so I like it. And then I hope y'all watched Amanda Seals, um, comedy special, I be knowing. And um, for those of you all, I just, I don't even understand people that have not watched Insecure. I just, I don't know. That's just like, I just don't understand. Like, I'm not judging it. I just don't understand. But, because I mean, that's like you watching culture and making. That's kind of like Insecure's equivalent, I feel, like when I watch. Because I'm a, I'm a early adopter, so I'm always a day one. So like, I was a day one Sex in the City. You know, I'm just day one. And, and the what you get from being a day one, you lose some stuff because when you're later binger, like I don't want somebody coming up to me putting all sorts of quotes. I don't know where she bought that dress. I don't know what dress she was wearing. One of them times because I was watching it every Sunday night or whatever and I had a life. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I remember some things, but I don't remember everything. But the one great thing that you get from being a day one is just really seeing how things develop over time and how things develop within the context of other things that are going on in the culture. And nobody does it better than insecure right now and the reason why it's, and amanda is a um amanda is a character in, in insecure for all your watchers you know she's tiffany doing the flyest or looking the flyest so this is her own um special and, and the interesting thing about it is that i had not known much about amanda you know she used to go by amanda diva and she was just one of those people like you know you see on a club flyer she might be hosting something or something, and for a hot minute, she was with Floetry, but I just didn't get it. I probably couldn't even tell you how she looked. You know, I just didn't get it. 
And she talks about this a lot on the morning show, on one of her morning show appearances. I'm going to try to find the link. But basically, she just had, because she had this issue where she, and she was hosting for MTV and stuff, but she had this issue where people knew who she was, but she wasn't making no money. So it's like she'd be on the bus and people be like, that's not you. And she'd be like, this is me. And they'd be like, that's not you, because why would you be on the bus? She's like, I'm on the bus because I don't have no money. <laughs> she talks about how fame does not mean anything if you don't have money. So then she moved to L.A. because L.A. is just basically like the hot spot for black creators right now. And, you know, got in with Issa and everything. Started doing comedy and everything. And she's just one of those people that feels like she's at her peak now. And it's so – and see, if you're a creative person, it's so important to kind of watch the trajectory of these people's creative journeys. Because – and and kind of think about them in terms of your own, because at every step along her career, she probably felt that she was doing the best that she could do, and she probably was. But things don't work out, and you learn from that, and then you become able to do something better and better and something with more resonance to people, you know. And you can't know all that at from jump. It would be great if you could. Some people do create things that they're wise behind the before the years and that they have all of that kind of seeming internalized from the very beginning. But most of us aren't like that. Most of us have to go through these struggles. And it's only by committing to the creative journey that you will ever get to where you need to go. And it's only by giving your all at that particular moment and that project failing. And you'd be like, fuck, what am I going to do? Who am I now? Like. Is it even worth it? And you getting those dark moments of the soul, and then you get up, and then you do something else, and then you do another project, and then you do another project. And that is the creative life. And eventually you get an HBO special called I Be Knowing. So she, it's just really funny. I don't even want to mess up any jokes, but just my favorite joke um, involves a CB, uh, CBS, a CVS receipt. Um, and every every cliche about the, the special is good. You know, it's smart and it's funny. It's all you know. It's all on there. But tell your friends. You know, I even called up my father, and he was like, you know, he answered phone. He's like, "Is Jesus Amaro on yet?" Because I introduced him to Jesus Amaro, and they've been off. So he's been like, call me as soon as they have a date. So I was like, "No, it's not Jesus Amaro, but it's this woman Amanda Seals. I think you really find it funny." You know, just go ahead and watch. You know, I wasn't trying to give him too much information. I'm trying to be on the phone all night. And he, you know, emailed me back the next morning and said he loved it and everything. And who is she? And she is so talented. And so just tell everybody because it really is a very special experience. It's one of those comedy breakthrough specials that I think, you know, we'll be talking about for a long time. Um, now... This it is hard, it is very hard to talk about a critique of something in today's day and age when everybody wants to just be canceling people. Everybody wants to perceive every little thing as a read or as you shade in somebody, and it just become it, it creates this uncomfortable environment where we can't just talk. Because the one thing that gets on my goddamn nerves with like Twitter conversations and stuff like that is like you cannot assume that everybody knows everything you know in advance. That is so like you cannot get mad at that person for not knowing these things, especially if you know good and well that their intention is not to harm. Try to have a conversation. But then a lot of times what happens is that 
those people get defensive because the initial kind of critique was coming so extra that they had to feel protective and then ain't nothing got done, right? So I think we we have got to get to a point where we can just start mentioning things. And sometimes I just have legitimate questions, you know, mentioning things and actually having response. And it's like, I'm not attacking you. I just want to know. And if you did not know what I have to say, then maybe that might be something you want to think about in the future. And, and we're all good. And that's the kind of context that I want to have. Now it seems like I'm going way too much just to say what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, so there's this one part in Amanda's special where she talks about her inner, um, sort of her inner gay man, and she calls him Latravius. And she says something like, um, gay black men have more confidence than anybody on the planet because they could just be like, not today, not today, not today, not today. And it's a funny, you know, it's a funny bit and everything like that. But it's moving me to a place that makes me uncomfortable um, and it makes me immediately flash back to a lot of y'all gonna be way too young for this, but makes me flash back to Michelle Wallace's Black Macho and the myth of the superwoman and how the myth of, oh, the strong black woman, the strong black woman, the strong black woman. Yeah, it's nice to be called strong, but it's that erases an individual identity. And that also makes it impossible for that person to have their needs addressed so they wouldn't have to be so goddamn strong. Sometimes you don't want to have to be so goddamn strong. You know what I mean? So it's very, it's, it's, we have to be very careful when, when we use that word strong when, um, for marginalized people because it can be too easy. To, it almost can come across like, well, you can deal with it. Well, fuck you, you I can't deal with it. I don't want to have to be so goddamn strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's my thing. It's it's just, you know, let's just think about we we should be able to celebrate the resilience of the black queer community without sort of fetishizing this whole idea of um of strength. You know, because again, that takes away the person. Because I wanted to be funny. I'm strong as fuck. Okay. I'm strong as fuck for recording this podcast in the middle of the night. And don't even know if anybody's going to listen to it, but it's what I feel like I need to do creatively. So that is that. And I'm going to do it. You know, that's strength to me. That's creative strength. I want to be known for that the strength that I put to things that are strength, you know, putting towards social activism. Something I don't want to be um, – I don't want to be given flowers for like – the strength that I have to put up just to deal with society's BS, I'd rather not have to deal with society's BS. Will that make me less strong? So take away that. Let me, I'll be weak for that matter. I did, you know, I don't, I don't want to be defined by the way that I respond to oppressive circumstances. I want to be defined by the way that I respond to things to an agenda that I set, social justice, creativity, and everything like that. I want to be praised for my strength in that. Not praised to deal with some old right, racist, homophobic bullshit. Fuck that. You know, and that's why I think that, um, that's why I think the Black Boy Joy movement is so important because that really centers um, Black men. It, it brings back, and the Black Boy part 
is so important to me. And some people think when I use that, they think I'm diminishing myself as a black man. I'm just like, bitch, I have never <laughs> bitch test me and you'll see how much black man is here. <laughs> but like what I think the black boy joy is because a lot of us, I know as black men, we ne- might not have never ever felt like we had that boyhood joy that is just the province of white boys. You know, white boys have this thing, this carefree boyhood that we're never allowed to have. You know, whether or not it's my extent of just being queer, not accepted into that kind of stuff, and then being black and sort of outside of that. And we know how white people, police officers, social workers in um, in general perceive black teenagers or black children to be older than they actually are. So we are kind of – our boyhood joy is kind of a race. So I love that um, – that movement, that's the kind of thing that um, I think is so important. But the other thing about, and I know she, if she's listening to somebody listening, she's like, this was a minute bit. Why are you going so deep? It's just stuff that it just, it, you know, it, it felt a way to me and I just wanted to, it did not feel a way to me. I felt a way about it, knowing that the intentions were to broaden up a conversation of the representation and to bring um, black gay lives into this comedy sphere when most often when black gay lives are brought into a black comedy sphere, it's as, you know, that cliche, oh, if my son, I ever saw my son, you know, with some Fenty beauty, I'd knock him upside. Is it, it, no, 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 we don't need any more of that bullshit. So I appreciate somebody like Amanda bringing us in, but not bringing us in in that stereotypical way. But I'm just curious because she says in the skit, she keeps talking, she calls, um, What's the man's name? Yeah, Latravius. She calls Latravius a gay black man. And so I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And it kind of brought me back to, like, last summer, I was reading um, Michael Arsenault's fantastic um, collection of essays, I Can't Date Jesus. Um, What's the subtitle? Let me have to put on my reading glasses. Um, I Can't Date Jesus, Love, Sex, Family, Race, and the Other Reasons I Put My Faith in Beyonce. It's a fabulous book. Again, like with Amanda's special, tell your cousins to read it, tell your mama to read it, tell your daddies to read it, tell your stepdaddies to read it, tell you, give them to your aunties, you know, give it to everybody you know. It is really a very funny book, but it addresses issues of why sexuality can still come up as such a, um, as such a kind of like a volatile topic, a fiery topic within some black communities. So it's very, very necessary. But while I was reading it, I kept, he, he kept referring him to himself as a gay black man, a gay black man, a gay black man. And that, you know, every time I said it, it was like that spirit, you know, that rewind sound with the DJ, the rewind sound with the DJ. Because, like, my generation, like, and I'm talking about, like, black gay men, black gay creative men coming out of the 70s into the 80s into the 90s, we had to fought so, did I say we had to fought? We had to fight so hard to be recognized as black gay men. Okay, because it wasn't like it was now. There were a zillion of gay papers. This was like the explosion of the gay press. A lot of paper, a lot of cities had many gay papers and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, you so what you would run into is like you would write 
black gay man and they would switch it up because of their style book or whatever and say gay black man and you're like well um appreciate the work because it was gigs people was paying back then so like you know you was being respectful and shit like okay i appreciate the work but i identify as a black gay man you know and so and they sometimes they would switch it and switch it back it was like a real ass thing and for me the situation was very simple i put the black first because the black came first i came out my mama black Okay, and for the first, you know, formative years of my life, I dealt with that as a black person. And within blackness, it was like, oh, you know, I think that little boy is cute. Okay, I might be black and gay. So I'm black gay. You know, that's I I understood understood my gayness through my blackness, which I, I which I do think, you know, Growing up in D.C., a certain type of city, a certain type of cosmopolitan city, I do understand that as a privilege um, because of the people I was around and because of the resources that I had. But that's why I saw it personally. But just in a rhetorical sense, it was this fight with white gay editors of magazines and things that really wanted you to foreground the gay situation and kind of kind of subsume you into the gayness and not want to talk about racial issues and not want to um not want to deal with blackness so it was like a real 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 for real thing i mean if you think about um i'm trying to pass on my notes i done pass this part in the notes hold on Lord, I done lost my no- Oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. Okay, so like, um, this is two examples of things that were really titled for very, very specific reasons. One of the first anthologies of black gay writings, it was called In the Life, a gay black anthology. And that was by Joseph Beam. Never had the chance to meet him. Met a lot of people that were in the book. But again, that 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 black gay anthology was very important. Those words... The ordering of those words were very important. Following that up, somebody who was a friend of mine, um, Essex Hempful, um, came out with the follow-up anthology that um, Joseph Beam had already been working on. And it was called Brother to Brother, New Writing by Black Gay Men. You know, it was so important for the because once these books were out there that said black gay, it became much easier for freelance writers and stuff to be able to make that case. Because at this point, before I was into music, before I was into anything, my first um, job out of college was at a gay bookstore. So, you know, it was, it was, this was, it was a days because I could read everything I wanted to book home and everything like that. You know, that's back in the heyday of the porn magazine. So I'd be like, oh, you know, I, I think I'm going to sweep. I think I'm going to um, get the magazines together and I'd be back there for hours. So it was t- good times. But um, part of that is that there was sort of this, um, there was a book review that was run out of the bookstore, the Lambda book review. And then the editor there, he liked my writing. I was lazy. I don't know what to have no how to do it, but he liked my writing. He hooked me up with a lot of other editors. So at one point I was writing for a lot of different um sort of these regional gay magazines. And it was and I'm gonna share some of that stuff. I've come across some of it, so I'll share it um on future blog posts and stuff. But it was a real thing to have to fight to be called black gay. So now when I read things and it's like gay black, I'm just like, Ugh. 
I know that there must be some sort of a reason to it that, you know, generationally, whatever, I'm just not a part of. But that's a question I have. If somebody knows, or, you know, or whatever, I would really like to get to the bottom of the black gay thing. Because, again, it's something I can't imagine that it's being done maliciously. And these all are race people. So I think that it's being done deliberately for a point. It's just that... um you know, I need to know what it is because I still just have that very visceral kind of my whole body seizes up like, what's going on? You know, so. um, So basically, that is the for let me see. I'm, I'm flipping the car. Y'all, if I don't know how fast I'm flipping these cars, make sure I ain't forgotten nothing. But I'm flipping through these cars, flipping these cars, flipping these cars. I think I addressed everything that I wanted to address. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope to be back next week. You know, I'm not going to tell y'all, but I have a specific number of these that I have in mind that I'm going to do to stick with it for a while and see, you know, if I still like doing it, if y'all like to hear from me and everything like that. So I really appreciate you listening because I know I was rambling, doing all sorts of stuff, doing the most, whatever. But I really, really, really do appreciate you listening. I'd love to hear some feedback. I'd love to hear what you want more of. I'm not sure I can handle what you want less of because a lot of this is just me. But, um you know, just really, really thank you for listening and for subscribing and rating and all of that good stuff. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm just a black gay man out here just trying to be a part of the conversation, you know? So until next time, be cool, be kind, be creative, be your goddamn self. Love y'all. Craig. Oh, hold on. Put my, um, let me put my, 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 my.